Well, friends, as you have a seat today, we're going to be moving into the study of biblical baptism. And what I mean by biblical baptism, we want to understand what does the Bible mean when it speaks of baptism? If we're honest, what we would have to say is that baptism kind of means something in your religious tradition or cultural tradition that may or may not be completely consistent with what the Bible has to say about it. And that's true in a lot of areas of life, of course. But in this area in particular, I want to make sure that we're united and we're speaking uh, with one voice and having the same feelings. Now, Baptism, amongst many other things, is a defining moment in your life. It's that thing you look back on and you say, this is a moment I remember. It's something that changed who I was. It defines who I am. And, and for a lot of us, when we think back to that moment of our baptism, what we remember is that the loved ones around us were looking to us and, and, and our parents were seeing, our friends were seeing, and I was there and I knew I was in the presence of Jesus. And what was happening in that moment was an outward expression of an inward decision. And, and you remember that moment because it defines you. It's special to you. And what we want to be able to say about our baptism is, gosh, at that moment, I knew things had changed and, and I was setting into a new course. It, it defined me. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk a little bit about defining moments. I want to talk about defining moments that have happened in generations here that many of you will relate to immediately. Um, some of you may be the generation ahead or behind, and that's okay too. But I want to—I want to just, from the position of a of a Generation X guy, I want to talk about some things that defined our generation. If if you're in Gen X, just do me a favor. Let, let me see your hands. You're 1966 to 1981. Where are you at? That's when we were, don't lie, women, put your hands up. People are going to know you're not hiding it. But if, if you're in that age group, some of these things are immediately going to create what they do for me. They're going to give you goosebumps. You're going to feel some real emotion. You might even get a tear or two, which I promise you I will. But remembering the things that kind of defined us and made us who, I are, who we are. So let me go back to the first one that I really remember um, <clears throat> when people say, what are defining moments of a Generation X? Well, the first one happened for me. It was, uh, it was my freshman year of college. It was 1989. No judging. And, and as, I was, as I was at college, we were all gathered together in, in a student center. And other people were gathered in dorms around TVs. And people all around campus had gathered because this incredible moment was about to happen. And what we also knew is that just about every school in the United States of America had set up TVs in classrooms and in gyms, and you know what's about to happen, they were, they were all excited because we were going to watch the first teacher ever go into space. Everybody was excited because the space shuttle was going to take off, and it was exciting. Everybody was jazzed. We just won the Cold War. The space race was all ours. We were cutting frontiers. It was like Buck Rogers was here, man, and everybody was excited about seeing this happen. I don't know why. But everybody was into this Crystal McCall of going up in the space shuttle story. And so we went to schools, and I remember sitting there, and we were in the student center at Liberty, and, and I knew that back at Douglas Freeman High School, my sister joined about 4,000 other students in the gym to watch this event. And just a few seconds into the Challenger takeoff, our innocence was shattered. I remember the horror I remember just having a hard time getting a breath, just the gasp and the looking at the screen like, is this, well, maybe the parachute will open. 
You know, maybe they'll be okay and, and hoping against hope this can't happen. No, everything is good. The whole world is right. How could, no, this can't be happening. And just the complete horror. It defined us for a little bit, right? And by the way, it changed us as a people. Today, when, when space shuttles take off or rockets take off, ain't nobody turned that on in school. <laughs> Special event, oh, we're not turning those on in school because you could have, you could have a Challenger disaster. So we, we learned in that moment, changed us. And, and I remember at that moment thinking, where is my sister right now? Because I was thinking, my sister's a bit more emotional than me, and I knew they were going to be showing it. And I wondered, is she all right? How are things there? Because it was massive, Remember? How about another, some things that defined us as Generation X? We grew up under the Cold War, and we grew up seeing movies like Red Dawn and War Games and The Day After. Oh, my gosh. And so we were scared. We grew up scared. How many of you remember Drop, Duck, and Cover? Did you have to watch the stupid turtle video on the reel that went around? And he watched it, and the turtle gets under his desk. And I just, I just remember thinking, the desk ain't going to help you. Why are we doing this? You know, because we were cynical. Solomon agrees. And so as, as, we were, as we grew up in that era of fear of any given moment, these, these elected leaders, somebody's going to push a button and it's going to vaporize everyone and ruin the whole world for everybody. And this is a fear we lived under. And, and, and I by the way, I also remember, why do we have windows on the classroom for hiding under a desk? This is no good. This is a picture from my high school, from Douglas Freeman High School. This is the fallout shelter entrance. There was one. <laughs> 4,800 students went to my high school. And so we used to always wonder who's getting in first because we're figuring the football players and baseball players were in first. Cheerleaders last, but then everybody else would try to get in. And so we, we would have to go down in the fallout shelter, usually the first week of school and practice. And here's the thing that, that always stuck with me. This blew my mind. After the blast, we're all going to head to the fallout shelter. And we always thought, could we go down there first? Could, you know, wouldn't that be a good idea? But apparently they had to get it ready. But if, if, if your arms suddenly get goosebumps, if you remember this with me, the bell tone, the ding, 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 and it would do that three times in a row. And if you heard the nine beeps in series of threes, drop, duck, cover. And just the chills that would go through me when they would do that at the drill at the beginning of the year. And I confess, I'm, I'm a few years after high school now, but every time those tornado sirens go off over here and they roll up like that, everything in my generation, generation X being just cringes because it's that feeling of if you heard the sirens go off and you're listening for the tones, it could be now. And so... How many of you remember that day, that day, right, when you heard the song and the pictures were coming up on the screen and the wall was coming down and it was over? The Cold War was over? Are you, are you really for real? And just the people were weeping. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, friends, people are weeping. It was just, oh my gosh, it's finally over. And it defined us. It was a changing moment in our generation. And it's some of those things that when people talk about Generation X, these were the things that defined us. Now, yeah, sure, they called us latchkey kids and me generation and survivors or the skeptical generation. But, I mean, really, are we? Come on. Who, who says? You know, okay, what I was doing is being skeptical. Okay, so the millennials are like, I don't know what any of these things are. And some of you are older people are like, what are you worried about? You know, 
But for others, it might have been the Kennedy assassination. For many of you, it was Columbine. No, it might have been 9-11. But there's these defining moments that happen in our generations, and they make us kind of who we are. Because you see, the very definition of a defining moment is that it's an event which is going to help define us for the rest of our lives. I'm not kidding when I tell you when the sirens go off, my whole body just goes tense for a minute. And whatever I'm thinking about, pfft, it's gone. And I've got to, and that's not because I'm ADD, right? It's, it's just because I've, I've got I've to refocus for a second because that's how I was conditioned growing up, right? Baptism for you should be a moment that defines you, not in the negative or the fearful, but when you think back to that moment, that helps define who you are. So what are some other you know, defining moments. I asked this question of some friends around me, and if this was one of you people, thank you. Uh, but here, here's some of the responses I got. Some people said, oh, graduation was everything for me because it was that moment. I was finally done. It was over. It was for real. I'm checking that box. woo finished. Kim graduated again here this, this past summer, which for me was like, oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> um, now that the bills come, I probably won't be as grateful, but it was just so great. You know, it's over. It's done. That was the last paper. It's over. Oh, finished. For others, it was your wedding day, remember? You got married. I do, and I do. And at that moment, it defined you for the rest of your lives. For me personally, it was, it was more meeting Kim, I'll be honest with you, than just the wedding. The, the meeting Kim was remarkable. And, and I know people say, oh, love at first sight. And, uh, no, 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 it, it, no, that happens. Because I remember walking into the sanctuary. I'd been working at the church about three months. And, and I walked in, and there's this girl at the piano. And I was like, that's new. You know, <laughs> what's going on here? Wow. So, you know, naturally I suavely made my way over to the piano. Hi, how you doing? I'm Shannon. Nice to meet you. No, oh, really? Nice to meet you. Uh, engagement ring. Got to get rid of that. Got to work on that little situation, you know, and we did. <laughs> uh, but but I, I remember meeting Kim and things that were going through my mind were like this. Wow, that's exactly the look that I always thought was ideal. And wow, she's talented and she's kind of a church gal and, and, you know, and she's pretty and, and wow, great hands. You know, and so all these are going through my mind. And, and so, you know, we started dating and it's like every moment was just a confirmation. Wow. That's what everybody I ever dated before could never have lived up to. And it's been that way ever since. Because I don't have that temptation for some other person because all that ever goes through my mind is, Remember her. Remember the moment you met Kim, how that was everything. Everything was exactly what I'd ever hoped for. Who could ever compete with that? But how about the, the day that you, you, you signed the papers for your mortgage or you said I do at your wedding or the down payment was made and now it's real? Those of us in ministry, you remember your ordination day and what that was like. And for always uh, an award ceremony where you've won, won something. Anybody ever been fired? Don't raise hands right now. Ever been fired? Yay. Uh, ever, ever been hired and got the job you always wanted? Or uh, the, t- the lights came on and you were center stage? Or those of you who are actors or thespians or whatever? Um, I remember uh, the times that the airplane is lifted off, and I know, whew, got out of there. Okay, it's okay. Uh, and I remember the times the airplane set down. One of the most important uh, memories I have, I think, of airplanes sitting down was in Brazil. We had, we had finally landed in, in um, <clears throat> Rio de Janeiro. It's Rio de Janeiro, by the way. It's not Rio de Janeiro. But we landed in the city that you properly say, Rio de Janeiro. And, and we landed, and, and as we did, I remember thinking, did both planes land? Are we all here? And I'm looking around, and I'm trying to think, 
I got 300 teenagers to Brazil at one time on two planes. We made it. And I just remember at that moment, this massive sense of relief. We could, we could do it. it. It all made it. We're here. We can get on mission and everything is fine from that moment. It defined that trip as a success. And listen, I hope all these examples, which are varied and I'm drawn from a lot of spaces, get this across. There are moments in your life that define you. You know at that moment, at that click, at that time, at that event, that something special has happened that's going to change everything. It happened this way, and because it did, a whole future unfolds because of that. You see, those defining moments are part of what baptism really is. Let me unpack it a little cleaner. Baptism always involves two things. Now, always is a part of all. And you remember what I tell you all the time about all? It's the Jerry Falwell quote, okay? All means all. And that's all, all means, all the time, okay? Baptism always involves these two things. Number one is repentance, and number two is sanctification. Now, everybody say repentance with me, repentance. Now, here's what repentance is. Repentance means I was going this way, and then there was a stop point, and there was a change of direction, and now I'm going this way. Repentance means a complete change of direction where I was going, that's done now. Now I'm going this way. You, we do these repentant moments in our lives a lot of times, and they're, they're kind of defining moments, right? Sometimes it changes, and it's never going to be the same again. If you've ever gotten on an airplane after 9-11, everything changed, right? Uh, we lost our dignity, as it were, when you have to go get on an airplane. Baptism is this. It's this moment where you were going a certain direction in life, and a change happened in you. And as a result of Jesus Christ coming into your heart and becoming Lord and Savior in your spirit, your path changed. And baptism is an outward expression of that inward transformation. It was for Jesus, wasn't it? Jesus, you see, had been going along as the builder's son, the carpenter's son. You know, big brother to James and Bartholomew and the others just doing his thing. And then a time came, now it's time to enter into the ministry that you're here for. Now it's time that your earthly ministry begins. And there was a stop, a pivot, boom, and now he's off into that direction. He didn't have anything to repent for in the way we use the word. Like, he didn't sin. He didn't do anything wrong. It was just, this is the moment that defines the rest of world history. Huh? Huh? You see, the baptism of Jesus. It's also sanctification. Now, if you've been going to Sturgeon Bay Community Church for any time at all, you know that sanctification means set aside for a specific purpose. I really got to do that more often, right? Because apparently I didn't get out there. Sanctification means set aside for a specific purpose. And so when we have our baptism, that moment of baptism is a shared moment with all those around, around us which declares I am set aside for Jesus. This is who I am today and forever going forward. There was a past, and there's nothing necessarily heinous about it. But I've decided that Jesus is my Lord, and today everything I do is set aside for Jesus. The decisions I make, the way I live, the investments I make, I make the, the, the time I spend, choices, who I am is Jesus' child. And baptism is an outward expression of that inward decision that each and every one of us have to make for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question to be pondering. Do you remember your baptism? 
do you remember what that moment was? Because see, I, I do, and I hope you do, because I remember looking up at my dad, who was baptizing me, in Wachula, Florida, as I remember, after a Bill Glass thing had been done, and, and, and dad was the one who got to baptize me, and I remember how, how chlorinated the water seemed, and how hot the water was, and how big my dad's hands felt. And I just remember that feeling. And when I came out and I looked out into the church and I saw all these faces and people I knew. And I, at that moment, I remember thinking, oh, I'm part of this now. I don't just go here because I'm the pastor's kid. I'm, I'm part of this now. And it was, it was the, something I can think back and remember, I'm part of this now. It's we I'm a child of Jesus. I'm one of all these others that have come to Jesus Christ. I've identified in this. And I can remember back to that. And when temptation comes or identity crisis come, I remember this is who I am. This is what I am. I make my decisions because of that moment and what it crystallized and what it said for everyone else. Friends, it's a defining moment. You know what I fear? Do you? I fear that for some of you, you have no recollection of baptism. It didn't mean anything to you. Maybe, maybe you were a baby, and it meant something to your parents, but not to you. And, 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 and maybe it was just done because you had to, or maybe it was at camp, and everybody else was doing it, and you did it too. I hope your baptism is something in your life that you think of as a moment that helped crystallize and define who you are, and what your relationship with Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord, really means. That's baptism. Now, let's go a little bit further. What do we say when we say baptize? Uh, it's clearly a Christian thing, right? I mean, right? Didn't Christians invent baptism, right? No, it isn't only Christian, as it turns out. As a matter of fact, it was Jewish not Christian. As a matter of fact, when baptism started, it didn't start in the Old Testament. It started in the intertestamental period. And it began really with a group of people who were separated from the rest of society. They were called Essenes. We'll talk more about them later. And one of the Essenes who was most active was this guy by the name of John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus of Nazareth, son of, you know, Mary. So by the time John starts, shows up on the scene <clears throat> and starts dunking people in the river and calling it for forgiveness of sins in Mark 1.4, people seem to already have an understanding of what baptism is. Now here's what I want for you. I want you to have an understanding of what baptism is. Now, if it's new, it isn't true. <laughs> and if it's true, it isn't new. What was true in the New Testament period when Jesus and the apostles wrote, spoke, and, and revealed these things, it's true today too. So what we need to do is go back and understand what did it mean to the early church, to Jesus, to James, to Peter, to, to the Romans, what did it mean? And then pull that into the 21st century and say, that's what it means today. And that, friends, is what we call exegesis. Find out what the Bible has to say and apply it right here now. Open up the scripture understand it, and understand it today. Who's with me that we should do that? Okay, let's start. We're going to start in the book of Peter. Remember Peter? Loudmouth, foot-in-mouth syndrome, Peter? 
the guy who denied Jesus three times and then became the most stalwart follower and, and disciple and apostle of Jesus Christ, Peter. Here's what he had to say. He taught those who followed him and, and what he had to say uh, later. He said, For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, what Peter was helping people understand was this. Baptism is a symbol. It represents you being saved from a wicked and an evil generation. And as a result, all things are new. Just like in the ark, God wiped out an evil and a wicked generation and through water, He would save a group of people who would become the image of how he wants things done. Saved and brought out of that. Baptism represents you being saved from your sin. Washing away with water, ending all that is bad, dying to the past, and coming forth, born again into a new life, a resurrected world as God's child. That's what baptism represents. Now... If you understand what Peter was saying, would you give me a little wave so I know you got it? You got it? Evers, come on, we see you out there. Everybody understands now, baptism is symbolic of an old life, an old way, and you've entered into a new way, transformed by this act in this moment, sorry, in this moment which this act demonstrates to everyone else around you. So a quick question. Can a baby understand that? Can, can, can a baby understand they're dying to their past sins of, of what? Labor? <laughs> Giving mom heartburn? What are we talking about here? And that, and that at that moment, they're making a decision to follow Jesus, which will define them for the rest of their lives. Huh. So it would appear, at least in this one passage, that things changed in our understanding from the beginning until now. How about another scripture? Let's go join Paul to the Romans. Now, this is the Romans. Now, it, it, You've done any study in Romans? Okay. Is subtlety Paul's way in the book of Romans? Uh, no. Uh, it's kind of like a hammer looking for a nail. Paul is not going to soft pedal anything in the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, it's usually like this. Bam! When he delivers his points in Romans. And you don't miss them. Pretty straightforward. So here, Paul, he says, are you uh, unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we walk in newness of life. Paul said, look, at that baptism, you died to what was before, just like, just like Christ died, but as he was risen, resurrected into newness of life, when you come out of that water, you too are going to walk like you've been transformed by Jesus Christ. Now, if you understand with me, brothers and sisters, today, that baptism is dying to old self, being raised to walk in a newness of life, just like Jesus Christ. Give me a little wave. Let me understand you got that point. Nevers, I'm looking. We got it? Excellent. They were on it this time. So now, now we know this. 
We know that, that I'm a new person as a result of that. And I understand that, that the old self and all that it represented is behind me. And, and like the ark that brought newness to the world, I, with Jesus Christ dwelling me, am new as I move forward. But how about, how about in the book of Acts? This is really great. This is the first real moment of the Christian church. And it looks like this. Peter is preaching, okay? Now, by the way, last time we saw Peter, <laughs> just before this... This is Pete making a colossal fool of himself, and now completely transformed by the renewing of his heart and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Peter is preaching the loudest at Pentecost, and he says, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they, the crowd, were pierced to their hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied to their question, what should we do now that we've heard the gospel? And what did he say? Try harder. What did he say? And be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. The first church is a church of 3,000. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. And I always wonder, how'd they set up their leadership structure of the 3,000 day two? Holy cow. But, but here's what's going on. An outward expression that you have understood that Jesus is Lord and Messiah, that he was innocent, crucified, rose again on the third day and now sits with God in heaven, which means I need to repent of all that's gone before, be baptized as a symbol in that, and now walk in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're with me and you understand that baptism is a moment of repenting what was in the past and identifying with what you're going to be in the future, give me a wave that I know you got that point. We got it? Now, one last one, and this comes from the book of Colossians. Now, um, Colossians is a very different book than Romans. Colossians are the erudite, arrogant, stuck-up, wealthy, educated people of culture. And the people of Colossae really feel they're probably the best people in the world. Okay? Paul says to them, so be careful that no one of you is taken captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition based on the elements of this world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you've been filled by Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in Him with a circumcision done not with hands, by putting off a bodily flesh, but in the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. Paul is saying, think, you educated people. Think for just a minute. Identifying through Jesus in baptism sets you apart as unique, as an identity, 
as a character trait, as a part of a group of people, who you are is what you demonstrate in your baptism. Like the circumcision was to the Jews, the, the, the super, uh, what do I call it, the, 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 I can't think of a good word right now, the Jews of that day, the devout, there it is, sorry, age getting me right there, the, the devout Jews of his day. This is, this is Paul saying to the church in Colossae, your baptism identifies you in Jesus. It's who you are that you've washed away the old and you're walking in the new. So if you're hearing with me that buried with Christ in baptism and walking in a new life, identifying with Jesus through this act, if you understand with me what that part of baptism is, just give me a wave so I know you got that. So here we are as a people understanding a few things, brothers and sisters. We understand from the book of Peter, as Peter's testimony, that baptism corresponds to salvation from that old life and world that you were a part of. We understand uh, from the book of Romans that you're to walk in a whole new life now because of the fact that you've been transformed through your baptism. From the book of Acts, we understand that repentance precedes baptism and that your baptism now defines the fact that you are a child of Jesus Christ because just as Paul had said to that church in Colossae, this is the outward expression of who you are internally. This defines you as a people. If all of those are true, then hear what John the Baptist is saying. This water separates you from everyone else and identifies you with Jesus. You got that one? Because you see, when John stood on the shores of that Jordan River and he called people to be baptized for the remission of sins, what John was saying was the message of the Essenes, wash away the dirt, the filth, and the old life come out of that water a brand new human being, dead to what was before, and identified with your Lord and Savior completely. When the Ethiopian eunuch, who we'll talk about another week, was riding in that chariot with Philip, and he understands the gospel, and he said, here's water. What keeps me from being baptized? And they pull over, and they find that pool, and he's baptized right there to demonstrate to all who he was. This eunuch is saying, this is who I am now. This defines me. You know what doesn't define you? Your age, your ethnicity, your race, your gender, your socioeconomic class, and how bad you've screwed up in the past. Because just like that flood that washed away all that went before Noah, and just like that, that circumcision as it was that identified you with Jesus to everyone who would see you from now on, the Colossians were needing to understand. Your baptism should be that moment that you think back on and say, that was the moment when I made it real, when I demonstrated to all and identified with the Lord Jesus Christ who I am. Brothers and sisters, that's biblical baptism for the 21st century.